I grew up on a uh, dairy farm just outside of McHenry, and springtime, my dad would uh, plow the fields, and uh, some of our land wasn't the greatest, had a lot of rocks, and so I'd uh, plow, and then my two brothers and I were pretty close in age. One of our tasks was to uh, haul some of the bigger rocks off the field so it wouldn't damage the, uh, the planter when it's time to do that. And uh, then the next year, you know, we always look forward to that when that was done, it almost seemed like the same amount of rocks would be there when he'd be, uh, you know, kind of plowing again and had to understand how nature works with uh, thaw and freeze and things kind of making their way to the surface. I think there's a little image there for our, uh, really our, kind of our spiritual lives in a way, because we, uh, we all have uh, some, some weaknesses and sins and character defects we have to, we, have, we deal with and, you know, we, try, we work at it and we, we seek to grow and uh, it's kind of like clearing some of those rocks off the field, but uh, you know, no sooner we do that and it seems like something else comes to, comes to the fore. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, those who are a little bit older here, but when you're real young thinking, you know, when I get to be 30, I'm going to have my act totally together, you know, no more struggles with any of these temptations and, you know, they hit 30 and then, well, maybe when I hit 50, so, you know, no more, no more struggles with some of these sins and weaknesses and, you know, then you, uh, you realize, well, maybe by the time I die, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll have my act totally together and uh, it's just, uh, you know, our, our, our human nature and, you know, some of the struggle. It, a lot of it's around the seven deadly sins. You know, sometimes people think this is kind of old-fashioned stuff, but, you know, there's some wise observers of human nature who noted that there's some, I mean, some of these maladies that are present in most of our lives. And we probably all struggle at least one or two of these. Well, the first would be like spiritual pride, kind of self-centeredness, or it could be anger, resentments, could be uh, greed, you know, lust, might be envy or jealousy, gluttony, uh, sloth or, or, or spiritual laziness. They, they named seven, but there's probably more out there. And, we, and there's probably one or two that we, we all have to, to deal with. And, you know, we work on it. And through God's grace, we grow and they get less of a grip on us. But we, uh, again, you clear the field and it's still there. It can get a little bit frustrating sometimes. You know, the, the, the bad news is probably to the end of our lives, there's going to be some struggles. But the good news is better than the bad news. And it's really a focus for us today by uh, John the Baptist. He's the Advent prophet. He's come to proclaim a, a baptism for the repentance of sins. Some people thought John the Baptist was the Messiah. And he had to quickly dismiss that notion. And he said, I, he came to point out someone, and it was, it was Jesus. He came to prepare the way for the Lord to make straight his paths. And that was really his, uh, his mission. The name Jesus means God saves. And what does he save us from? He certainly saves us from the power of death. And when we pass the Lord, his desire is for us to know the fullness of life with him in heaven. Jesus came to conquer the powers of death. He also came to conquer the powers of sin. And he took all that on, on, upon himself on, on, on the cross so that some of these rocks, some of these things we struggle with would never have the upper hand, but we would know his mercy and his forgiveness. And we believe that the Lord's mercy and forgiveness is bigger and greater than any sin. We just have to humbly avail ourselves to that, that grace and hopefully have the humility to receive it. What gets in the way of our spiritual growth? You know, things like denial, 
hiding, concealment, avoidance, blaming, rationalizing. And if I could share a little, little story here to illustrate this. My first time being a pastor was at the Enuma Center in, in DeKalb. And I remember a Saturday morning, probably around nine in the morning, I was at the rectory getting some stuff ready for the weekend. And there was a, a, a the doorbell rang. And on a college campus, you don't have a whole lot of, there's not a whole lot of activity on Saturday, you know, Saturday morning. So, uh, but I opened the door and it was a uh, parishioner. It was also a, it was, it was a student center, but it's also a regular parish. So there were people of many different ages. And it was one of my parishioners and his two grandsons were with him. They were, turns out they were visiting from out of state and they were probably around five or six years old. And I could tell by the looks on their faces that something had happened. And so uh, the grandpa, he says to me, you know, my, we were walking along the side of the church and my grandson, he picked up a rock and he threw it and he accidentally broke one of the windows. And uh, so we've come to apologize and to, you know, whatever we need to do to make it right. And uh, it was certainly an accident and a little kid's not gonna, uh, we can be mischievous, but so, uh, but he, uh, his shoulders were slumped, his head was bowed, and in a kind of a quivering voice, he apologized. And then I look over at his twin brother, who could barely conceal the glee on his face. <laughs> As you see, it's a predicament his little brother, his brother's in. And uh, it was a look that said, uh, Father Steve, show him no mercy, and may his punishment be severe. So, uh, of course I forgave him, and I said, told him God forgives him. And uh, it's kind of interesting, so they, you know, they, they, I think they're from Michigan, and when they come and visit and these kids would grow up, they would always remember that, what, what, what happened there. But I, you know, I was thinking about that, and you know, that, that grandpa, they, they could have kept walking. You know, they, I mean, no one saw it. And, but they came and confessed and there's forgiveness, there's, there's, there's mercy. And uh, I, I think it's a, really an illustration of, because we, we can, with some of the things we can do, we can, we can keep walking, or we can hide, we can conceal, we can blame, we can ra try to rationalize it away. And there's no, there's no growth there. That's, that's really, a, that's really a, a deadly path. Just the other day, with the Immaculate Conception Solemnity, the first reading was from Genesis, with the Adam and Eve story, where they're in the garden, they're told not to eat the fruit from a particular tree, and the serpent comes on the scene, and they fall to the temptation, and they disobey. We call that original sin. And then God comes on the scene, and what are they doing? They're hiding. And there's almost an instinct that we have when we, when we do wrong, where we almost want to conceal. And that's the impact of, a, that's really the impact of original sin. God's grace is gonna move us in a different direction. Rather than that denial stuff or that keeps us from growing, we, can, we, we have the humility and the honesty to face our humanity and our sins. And to have the confer, courage to confess that before God. And because uh, the alternative is not a, it's not a good one and it wrecks relationships and it impacts our relationship with God and that's why the virtue of humility is so important and, and honesty. And it's easier said than done. Because even if we're long in the journey, Christian journey, that that impulse toward concealment is, is always there. And so that's where we need God's grace to really walk that, that healthy spiritual path. 
You know, we've got a beautiful sacrament in our tradition that helps us to do that. It's a challenging sacrament. It's really a sacrament of accountability, the sacrament of reconciliation. And uh, for me personally, and as I listen to people, you know, it, it's not a sacrament that, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking, I can't wait till I get to that confessional. You know, it's just, you know, it's just, you know, they're, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it takes, I think it takes courage to face our falls and our humanity and our sins and to bring that forward. And the priest in the sacrament of reconciliation is meant to be just like Jesus, to be another Christ. And sometimes our fears can keep us from that. And again, we, again, that kind of running from our humanity. And, but it takes great courage. And so you may be thinking to yourself, Father, I have, I've got more than rocks that I've had. I've got some two-ton boulders in my, in my, my history. And uh, we need to always know that God's mercy and forgiveness is greater than anything we can ever do. And sometimes people walk around for decades carrying things they don't need to be carrying around. God's forgiveness is there. So maybe for you, this is a good advent in preparation for Christmas. Maybe to receive that sacrament. And it's a beautiful sacrament of mercy and forgiveness. And God desires our freedom. He desires for us to have peace of mind and peace of heart. And that doesn't happen when we're in the grip of stuff we're trying to avoid or deny. So as we receive the Eucharist today, let's ask the Lord for his grace to continue this journey well through Advent as we prepare for the birth of Jesus, that he can be born more deeply into our lives. You know, if there's anything we need you know, to let go of, I'd encourage you to, we've got extra times during Advent in preparation for Christmas, to avail yourself to that sacrament. It's a beautiful sacrament, a challenging sacrament, but one that brings great peace. So may our risen Lord give us strength on this journey as we continue to prepare the way for the Lord for his birth.